We're here to share with you inspiring stories that bring to life all the little and big ways that people bring more love, joy, laughter, and humanness to everyday life. Our focus is to hunt for those little moments that refuel the human soul and reminds us what life is really all about. I invite you to sit back, enjoy the moments, enjoy the stories, the adventures, and the journeys. back to another episode of What the World Needs More of. I am here with special guest, Nii Shobo. Thank you for joining us, sir. Absolutely, man. It's great to be on. All right. Now, as always, we're going to dive in and start with the question, what do you believe the world needs more of? I believe that the, the world needs more, uh, more people to guide people to reality. I feel like a lot of people are living uh, in, we're all living in delusion to some degree, but I feel like most people are walking zombies trying to escape. And I feel like the world needs more people who can lead and help guide people to the reality. And then of course, show them how to get to something better. A lot of people are walking zombies and don't even know they're zombies, don't even know that there's something better out there. So I believe the world needs more people who are bold, bold enough, fearless enough, confident enough to be able to expose people to reality and then, of course, help them uh, get to something better. I love that, man. I love that. Got to unplug them from the matrix and get them in the actual tangible life. Right, right. Very cool. How do you bring more of that into the world each day? So the way that I do it, man, is first by uh, steeping myself in reality every day because uh, I'm much like all of you listening and you, uh, Jarek, in that we have problems, we have issues, we have struggles, we have insecurities, we have our past. And if I'm not careful, um, if I'm not exposing myself to reality, uh, then I'm a little disconnected. So part of what I do every morning is is wake up early. So I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert um, and I also have five children. So I need time by myself. <laughs> so um, the only way to do that and have the amount of time that I need is get up really early. I work out with my 13 year old son at five o'clock. And then after that, Uh, I kind of get into my routine and read and meditate and do some mental conditioning exercises, if you will, um, and just sort of connect myself to what's true for me, uh, review like what I want in my life and uh, get ready for the day. And then after that, I mean, big picture wise, the way that I help people do that is I was a former NFL athlete. And after I was done playing football, I realized that, you know, the young athletes similar to me really needed a lot more than uh, you know, how to lift weights and how to get strong. And I, I realized they needed more, uh, they need to pay more attention to the mental aspect of the game. And so I started working with athletes and that evolved into what I do now, which is working with high performers and athletes alike, teaching them the mindset that they need to dominate in their sport. So that's really teaching them the strategy behind how to plan out a goal, how to follow through, um, how to manage your emotions on a day to day so you can perform well under pressure. So that's sort of my avenue uh, my 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 mission here on this earth is to help people uh, develop the type of fearlessness, the type of poise, the type of confidence that they need to be able to perform. And it's a lot of fun. Um, it's something that I was really afraid to start. 
Um, I was a firefighter just a little, like a little bit ago, even uh, three years ago, um, and quit my job as a firefighter to do what I'm doing now full time. And it's been amazing. Uh, me and my wife also homeschool all five of our kids, which is also a, a huge challenge, but something that of everything makes me the most fulfilled and gives me the most joy. Uh, so that's a little uh, insight into I got a lot of stuff going on, on any given day, but that's my main things. So so besides being Superman, I'd love to know <laughs> what you consider your wow factor to be and what's maybe one or two life moments that help shape it along the way. Uh, my wow factor as in the thing that sets me apart. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like what makes you uniquely you in this world? Uh, yes. Uh, I feel like the thing that makes me uniquely me if you think about like like uh you know strengths and weaknesses on the back side of every strength is a weakness mm. and then even a lot of the things that we consider weaknesses in ourselves can show up as strengths so one of I'll start with one of my weaknesses and I'll show you how it's actually my strength and my wow factor um I much like you know a lot of people grew up with daddy issues you know so um I was the third of four boys and I was the only one of my brothers who wasn't doing that well in school. It was kind of like the black sheep, if you will, and just wasn't really getting the recognition and the uh, acknowledgement from my pops that I really wanted. And I sort of very early just developed this sort of attitude of uh, not needing to depend on other people. Um, I, I kind of chalked it up. I said, you know what, I'm probably not going to get what I need from my dad, so why don't I just be sort of independent on my own? And that actually has served me well in a lot of areas. And then obviously it's caused me some problems in a lot of areas as well because I can tend to lack compassion. I can tend to be a little bit more harsh, especially uh, with the people in my life, like my wife and my uh, my daughters particularly, who um, don't take to that as well. But on the back end of that, what you have is, is, is qualities that I've developed in myself that make me uniquely me. And those are uh, extreme self-reliance and independence. I love being on my own. Um, I pride myself in being able to survive, not just survive, but I like being on my own. Um, not only that, I consider myself a pretty practical guy. So I do my best to manage the the emotions that sort of serve to cloud our judgment every day. So I try to be as disciplined as I can. And then, of course, it helps me as a coach as well. While compassion is obviously very, very critical for being a coach and something I'm always working to build, uh, I feel like being practical and being able to see reality clearly uh, while other people are emotional is also a gift. So I'm very independent. I'm very self-reliant, um, pretty driven. I like setting my own goals. I like working on my own. I like taking control of my life. I really don't like the idea of other people, um, you know, getting the ro remote control to my life, if you will. I like being in charge. So I, I, I feel like that's what makes me uniquely me. And I think I kind of explained sort of what led up to that. But, uh, those are, those are some of the things, you know, like not being, what I feel like my dad wanted me to be just kind of forced me to be what I needed to be, if that makes sense. And then also I had a my sort of breakthrough, if you will, came when I was 28 years old. And um, it was me and all my brothers. We were in uh, all sitting down in the living room of my apartment uh, at the time. And my my big my oldest brother, who's my half brother, had come to visit. And there's a lot of, you know, sort of background of family problems and things. And we were sort of talking through these things. And for some reason it came up to me and I finally just poured out my heart to my dad. And I told him, I was like, man, like, I just felt like I could never get your approval. I felt like I just wanted to be your son. And I kept saying that and I was crying. And this is, I'm not someone who cries a lot. And I was crying. I was sobbing. I was telling him, I just wanted to be your son. And I wanted you to call me your son. And basically 
I was as vulnerable as I'd ever been, but my dad didn't really respond the way you would think a dad would respond when, it, when his son was doing that. Um, and I remember my big brother kind of getting upset about that and, you know, coming in and, and basically comforting me and things like that. But the, the, the biggest part of that story is not the fact that my dad didn't comfort me in the way that uh, I wanted. It was the fact that that was the first time I'd ever been honest with myself and with my dad out loud about the fact that I had been spending so much time trying to win his approval and trying to be something that he wanted me to be. And after that, even though I didn't get the re reaction that I wanted, I was freed. Like, it, it was like, at that moment, it was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, now I can actually really be myself now. And I'm 28 years old. At this point, I had, I think I had, yeah, I had four kids at that point. Uh, and it was so liberating. Um, I, I have a pretty good relationship with my dad still. I mean, it's not the best, but he's around. Uh, he's a great grandfather. But, and I, I don't say this to throw my dad under the bus at all, but it's, it's just the reality of sometimes we need moments like that and they're not, they don't feel that good actually. Like they, it's actually, you know, it doesn't feel good to cry. I always am really exhausted after I cry and um, just, just feel kind of poopy afterward, but it was exactly what I needed. And since then I hit the ground running. That was when I really, you know, started uh, going aggressively towards developing myself and becoming the type of fearless that I needed to be. I remember that was when I, I borrowed $5,000 from a family friend to sign up for Tony Robbins coaching, you know, and that changed the game for me. I was buying all sorts of books, reading, um, getting up early, planning, mapping out my goals. And that really just was the beginning of something really special for me. And of course, has led me to where I am now. And I just feel, I feel so good every day, not good in the sense of like, every day is like, you know, uh, flowers and roses, but I just feel grounded as if like, I, I know I'm on the right track and, and there's a lot of bad days there, or I can't say bad days. There's a lot of days where I don't feel as good physically, mentally, maybe a little foggy, but I just feel grounded. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here on this earth. And, uh, I also feel really good about the qualities that my dad did help me develop. Because again, on the back end of every strength is a weakness, same thing, weakness with strength. So he had a lot of weaknesses, but he also developed a ton of discipline in me. He 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 gave me the gift of high standards, which is valuable. I, I noticed that a lot. A lot of people have really, really low standards for themselves. And I often thank my dad for the fact that he believed in me and had the courage to hold me to a high standard, even when I didn't want to, you know, when you're going through that uh, sort of adolescent stage where you don't care and you, you kind of have a shitty attitude all the time. He, he was very, well, he was patient and he was persistent. Let's say he, he didn't let up on me. And for that, I'm very grateful. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's so much there, so much there. And I, I liked how you described yourself in the beginning, self-reliant, like being on your own, you're practical, mm -hmm. compassionate, driven, and you take control. I, I, I think though it's also, you know, quite an experience that that obviously shapes who you are as a man to be able to be there for your children in a different way because you had an experience, um, you know, some of which you'll pay forward, and 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 you know that strength, that wow factor will be allow you to to pay it forward, and and some stuff that might have felt like a weakness will allow you to reshape it in a different way for your children so they get a different right. experience and they get to you know learn from theirs their their pieces too it's powerful and in all exactly. this journey and so much life unfolding from from firefighting being a father the nfl you know being a young man growing into a, a, a grown man like <laughs> all those pieces right. um what's a moment that made you feel really humble along the journey oh man um <laughs> a lot of those 
let's start with um, one of the the main ones. I'll, I'll, I'll have a couple. One is more positive, if you will, and then the other is the, the type of humble that doesn't feel good when it happens. So the, the first one, and they're both re- related to the same dream, if you will. So I was a I come from a soccer family. My dad is Nigerian, so he play, he played soccer growing up, and we all played soccer. And I really hated soccer when I started getting around fifth and sixth grade. I was a little chunkier, and I hated to run. So I, I begged my dad to let me play football, and I started playing football, and I absolutely fell in love. And when I fell in love with football, I decided that I wanted to be a pro football player. And so, of course, I worked my tail off in order to do that. And I was uh, I was focused. I wasn't that good when I started, but I just got better and better and better and uh, earned myself a walk on position at Oregon State. If you guys don't know what a walk on is, it's pretty much like an unpaid intern. You do all the work. You don't get any any of the credit or um, or get your school paid for. But I had my first son when I was in college. And so I was and I'm glad I was this way at, at this time. This is where the self-reliance sort of served me well is I just wouldn't let up on my belief that I deserved a scholarship. And so I actually transferred and went to a school that gave me one. So I went to Portland State. And long story short, I had a few injuries, but I ended up balling out my senior year and got picked up by the New Orleans Saints. And I remember uh, I was in my apartment in college, and my family was actually in town. And there was a chance that I was going to get drafted, um, but I wasn't really – um, I wasn't sure. I was just I was just going to feel lucky to, to be able to to play in the NFL. And I remember the second day of the draft and we had it was like we were throwing a little party for my little niece. And so everyone's kind of walking around. I remember getting a phone call from a 504 number, which is New Orleans. And it was the running back coach. And he told me that they have a spot for me and that they were going to pick me up on the New Orleans Saints. And I I remember I was I was really excited, but it wasn't like it wasn't like, yeah, like, it, it was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> like I really and then I, like I remember I was standing in the hallway and I was literally just flashing back on all of the, the like since I first played football um, leading all the way up to, you know, when I scored my first touchdown to when I got my scholarship to when I decided to transfer. And it was it was humbling that that's the word I will use to describe it because it wasn't like I felt I didn't deserve it. But it was just so I was so grateful. I was like, oh, shit, man, like, like, thank you. I'm so thoroughly overwhelmed with um, like a subtle type of joy. It's, it, and again, it wasn't like I was crying or anything like that. It was just I was just grateful. And then you flash back to, you know, uh, I got released from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I started in my in my rookie uh, rookie season and got hurt the first game uh, that I played in my shoulder and then stayed around the next year as well. Got hurt again. And then they released me in the middle of that year. And that happened to be the year that the Saints won the Super Bowl. So I was I was actually back home in Portland watching the Super Bowl with a group of my friends um, and watching all of the people that I sweat that I practiced so hard with, you know, practicing in 100 degree heat in Mississippi, um, you know, going through all the things that I went through with and watching them celebrate the Super Bowl. Um, that was a humbling experience in that it was just a reminder that, you know, anything can be taken from you and life really isn't fair in the way that we think it should be right. Like there's, I feel like we all have this sort of child, childish desire or, or idea that things should be fair. You know, how kids are always like, that's not fair. And it's, it's like life really is kind of an asshole sometimes. And I felt like that was one of those times that life was really an asshole. And, and I was, I was upset and I was hurt. And I was humbled because the thing that I had put so much effort in, it was not 
mine anymore. Like it was like, oh man, I got to do something else now. And I never thought of myself as someone who was so connected to my sport. Like, you know, there's guys who like get, you know, NFL tatted on their arm and shit like that. Like that wasn't really me. I felt like I was a pretty well-rounded dude, but it wasn't until it actually got taken from me where I was like, oh man, I guess I really, really was into football. (laughs) And I guess I really don't know what I'm going to do next. Um, And it really humbled me. And I'd like to tell you after that moment, I kind of like hit the ground running, but it really wasn't that. I spent about two and a half years kind of wandering, not really sure what to do next, um, frustrated, uh, lacking clarity. I, you couldn't, I, I mean, a lot of, I'm even embarrassed just to think about some of the ways that I was right after I got done with football, but I'm glad I am where I am now. Um, and those are some moments that really humbled me. I love that. I love that. It, it's wild how those moments come up and, and, and what happens. It, it's, you know, stuff just like you said, um, as fast as it can show up in your life and, and just make you sit there and go, wow, wow, how cool. And it all stacked up for, for something. <laughs> right. I mean, right. the journey itself is amazing. Getting to have all those memories and the friends you meet and the stuff you do, um, it, that, that's all incredible. But then also just on the other side of it, um, you know, the, the, the thought of how fast it could, it could disappear. Like, um, right. you know, just, just one bad step, one bad trip, one bad fall, one bad hit. And all of a sudden it's like, dang, the whole thing just changed. Um, exactly. it, it, it's amazing how life can take us on a journey like that. And, and usually in the long run, there's always beauty in all of it, but in the short term, it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Not at all. <laughs> Those moments sting, <laughs> but exactly. you, you got to keep going and see what unfolds. Um, what about an awe-inspiring moment? Something that you know put your jaw on the ground, just left you there standing, going like, "Wow, uh, good, bad, or indifferent." But just something that really, really just you know puts you in an interesting place. Man, I, um, yeah, this. I would say anyone who has children, uh, I, anytime you talk about awe-inspiring, if you have a child and you witness the birth of your child, um, that's a pretty amazing thing. And I have five, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person in this type of situation, but um, I did, let's just say I didn't plan for a few of my kids to happen. Uh, so, uh, and, and, and one of them was my middle child, who's, uh, her name is Samaya, and she's seven years old. And I actually, this was at the time when I was done playing football and I won't get into too much detail, but basically I was in a position where I was being very reckless and, uh, not being very responsible. And I was, uh, dating, um, her mom who is now my wife, by the way, uh, an amazing wife, but I was dating her mom, uh, but also kind of, you know, doing my dirt on the side and, and just being reckless and, and really not uh, respecting um, people, you know, in the in the way that I knew how and the way I was raised to. But anyway, so I ended up uh, getting my now wife pregnant with uh, my daughter, Samaya. And I have two other sons before this. Right. And so I was in a, a limbo phase with my two other sons, mother, and really like struggling with what to do with her in the sense of should I try to be with her? It, it, we tried a lot and it didn't really work out. But I come from a Christian family and I had this idea that you just have to marry the person that you you have kids with. And this belief was really like forcing me to uh, press on issues that I probably should have just left alone. Um, So anyway, when I found out that my wife was pregnant uh, or at this time she was a a girl that I was really into that I was dating. 
and I found out that she was pregnant, I basically panicked. And I, I, I was like, oh, shit, like, now I'm going to have two women who have my children. I got to be with one of them, right? So before I already, I already felt pretty compelled. And now it's like, well, I got to pick one. And so I decided, I made a decision based out of fear to try to make it work with my, with my son's mother uh, for all the wrong reasons. And I basically left my wife, who's pregnant. I just left her, I, you know, and I just I, I still like, you know, remain in contact with her. But I was like, basically, you know, sorry, you know, and I'll be around for the kid. But, you know, not going to be with you type of situation. And uh, I know it sounds like a really dick, like a dickhead move. And it was. And I was that. And for that, I'm extremely um, I, I've gone through sort of my. I've gone through my progression and I'm at the place now where I can talk about it and I don't have to feel like a dickhead all over again, although it certainly doesn't feel good to talk about. But basically, the situation with my son's mom did not work out um, as everyone around me knew it wouldn't. And my wife, who happens, her quality, her wow factor, she is the most sweetest, most forgiving, most loyal woman alive. Like, I mean, when you talk about warm, inviting, like if you come visit me here at my home, the way that she'll make you feel is like, this is your home. It's like, she just has this essence about her. And so even though all of her family was like, yo, this leave this dude alone. Don't let him have anything to do with your kid. You know, don't let him come to the hospital to see your kid. She was like, oh, you're you're crazy. Like she so she was she very easily said, yes, our daughter will be uh, we born around this day. Come to the hospital. So I remember coming to the hospital and it was super, super awkward. Um, especially sitting in the waiting room with her mom as she's just like looking at me just like she wants to kill me. Um, but either way, I'm really excited to have a kid. Like I've never been the type of guy who when he has a kid, I'm like all scared. I'm actually excited. And I had my first kid when I was 19. And yes, I was scared in the beginning, but it was like I was I was kind of juiced, especially when I found out it was a son. So I'm waiting to uh, see my kid. And I, I go in. I'm in the room in the hospital room with uh, Heather, my wife, who who's, you know, uh, not my wife at the time. And uh, the doctor comes in to check and they tell me to get out. Right. Because, you know, I'm not really the husband. So and then next thing you know, I'm waiting in the hallway and I just hear like this this cry, like this, like a baby cry. And I'm like, hold on. I've been out here for like three minutes. What happened? And sure enough, they come open up and they say, hey, she's born. And I remember I walk in. And I'm like, I, first of all, I'm in, in awe at how fast it happened because she was just chilling just a second ago. And I go in and she gives me my my daughter and I remember looking at her and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, first of all, she was legit. And I've had, I have a lot of kids and I'm, I'm pretty uh, I'm not the guy who tell you my all my kids are like the cutest kids in the world. She was the most beautiful baby I'd ever seen. And I, and I remember it was something very unique. She had like perfect ears. Her ears were like just perfectly proportioned. You know, sometimes babies come out, they got all smushed up ears. She was just so beautiful. And I was like. I cannot believe I was so stressed out about her. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I, before that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm having another kid and all this uncertainty and all this stress. And then when I held her, I'm like, are you kidding me? And that was that was the awe-inspiring moment. I'm like, I cannot believe that I thought that this was like a bad thing, right? Because I certainly wasn't looking at it as if it was a good thing. Um, but, and I know that that, you know, it's kind of easy to say that like once you have your daughter in your arms. But I, I do remember that feeling that I had where it was like it was like I was happy. I didn't care who what the mother was. I didn't care what was going on. It was like this is so awesome. Like 
human life that I'm now responsible for, because I've always liked the idea of being responsible for my kids. Like, I, I love that. I love the fact that, like, my kids look to me, and I want to be strong for them. And so I was just happy I had another one. Her name is Samaya. She is so smart, so witty, um, so fierce. I mean, she calls me out. She, just the other day, she was like, no, Daddy, you need to go talk to her. She, uh, I had kind of gotten into a little argument with my oldest daughter, and she was like, no, you need to go talk to her right now. She's, she calls herself my reality coach. Uh, she keeps me on point. She's uh, she's dynamite, man. I'm telling you, if you, when you meet her, dude, like she is out of this world. And and I look at her often and and, and think to myself, like, how was I, how was I scared about this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this gift that I now have. So anyway, that that's the that a moment that really inspired a lot of awe and, and joy in me. Ah, oh, I love that. I love that. I also love reality coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. I think there's a niche for that. I'm a reality yeah, coach. I'll bring you back to reality. Get your shit together. Right, Let's right. go. <laughs> That's what she does too, man. I love it. Speaking of reality, uh, you know, fear is something that shows up in all of us. And I'd be curious, what's your greatest fear? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> greatest fear. I'd, I Honestly, I don't know that there's any one thing. It's more like the fear that I have is... There's this anxiety that creeps up in me that uh, when you trace it back, it, this is it goes back to my deepest fear, and it, it's kind of a twofold, but I think it goes back to the same or two main things. Like I have some days where I I'm where I know that I'm allowing my mild anxieties to prevent me from doing or moving at the pace that I know I need to, hmm. and I have this deeper fear that helps me through it. Uh, and it's the fear of basically just not mattering at all in the grand scheme of things. Um, I'm someone who um, I, I'm, I'm enjoying history a lot more. I love nature. And whenever I go in nature, it's you know, it's it's you very easily are reminded how sort of insignificant you are. It's like, wow, like I kind of don't matter that much. Um, and even when you start just learn about the history of the world, the universe, the, the, you know, uh, the solar system and all of that shit. It's like, man, like I'm alive, like for a really short amount of time. So the anxiety that I have is like, will not, will I be remembered, but more so will I feel like I mattered? If that makes sense. Like where I feel like I did something that really was significant and I'm scared of being like everyone else. And again, that's something that's kind of, and, and hence the name, I'm not you, which is the name of my company. I like the idea of being different, right? So I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a contrarian in that way, but I'm, I'm sort of like one of the ways that I motivate myself, by the way. So let's say I, I, I'm, I'm, it's morning time and, you know, I was just up late to like uh, up to one o'clock and I get up at 440 like I do every morning and I don't feel like working out. I'll remind myself that most dudes would just go back to sleep. And that makes me go work out because I don't want to be like most dudes. So uh, part of me is this fear of just it's the significance factors. Like, I don't want to just not matter at all. Um, and I hate the feeling of being helpless. I cannot stand that. That's something that I'm very much afraid of. Uh, whenever I'm in situations where um, I feel like I can't do anything about it, I have to play some mental alchemy real fast to get myself back in control because uh, that will really put me off balance. And I think, it, again, it roots back to uh, the deepest fear, like, uh, you know, a deep fear that I had of, you know, not pleasing my dad. I kind of learned that, like, 
I didn't have a lot of control over that. <laughs> so, cause I kept trying and it was like, nothing was working. So I was, I, I hate the, the feeling of like trying at something and you can't do anything about it. So again, in life, there are a lot of things that you can't do anything about. So again, I have to make sure that I reframe things properly, that I stay in control because at the end of the day, control is an illusion. So I, I got to give myself the gift of the illusion of control. And, um, and again, that roots back to sort of my fear of just not being in control, uh, being helpless, you know, uh, not being able to do anything. And then of course, just living a life that was just so average, just so mediocre that was almost like a waste of time, uh, a waste of breath and a waste of the gift of life. Cause I really do feel like life is a gift that, you know, um, has been granted to us and it's, we don't know how long it's going to be, but it's like, yo, you, you, you might as well go out swinging. I, I like to say I have the 50 cent mentality, get rich or die trying. And when I say get rich, I don't just mean money, but th that as well. I mean, basically fill in the blank or die trying, you know, like, so I'm gonna go out swinging. It's kind of with my kids as well. I don't, I, I like, there's a lot of things that I'm afraid of, even as being a father. Right. And, 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 you know, my kids getting older and hearing from them that they felt like I didn't love them or this or that. And that stresses me out. And one of the things that helps me through that is, is, is the 50 cent mentality and saying, listen, I don't, they're going to say, my kids are going to say, you know, this, they might say that they might say I was a little cold at times, or I was a little harsh, but guess what? They're going to, they're going to say, my dad tried his ass off. You know what I mean? Like he put in effort with us. So, you know, he didn't know what the hell he was doing in the homeschool, but yeah, he tried that shit and he made sure and he sat down with me and he worked through the multiplication with me. He taught me, he worked out with me, he coached me. And that's like my, my willingness to do that. And I do that. Like my son is, is 13. He's getting ready to come out with his first book at the end of this, uh, at the end of September. And I'm like, I am like, I'm like, Hey, listen, man, I'm, I'm your coach. I'm your right hand, man, whatever you need. I got you because I would, I want my son to know that his dad was in his corner. Like I, I want my kids to know I'm their friend. I'm also their guardian, their parent, you know, I discipline them, et cetera, but I'm their friend. Like I'm here for you. I like, I tell my kids that I'm here for you. So you're not, your job is not to make me happy. I, I'm here. My job is to help you become who you are supposed to be because I brought you or I helped bring you into the world. So you didn't ask. So I'm here for you. Um, and, and again, I know I kind of rambling, but those sort of all contribute to a lot of the things that really scare me. And then, uh, some ways that I use that fear to really drive me, uh, and, and, and again, stay in control because I don't want those fears to, to drive me crazy. If you will. <laughs> I love it. I, I think fuel is a great, uh, a great fuel. I'm sorry. Fear is right. a great fuel. Um, right. And, and the, you know, the concept of, uh, faith and fear or, or more so, you know, what you're looking for in the future versus what you're afraid of. Um, and, and what you're afraid of, I always say is like nitrous oxide. Like you could press that button and that fear will stir you up enough to fire you like, like yeah. the fast and the furious, like that car goes yeah. flying. But I mean, try going, you know, 5,000 miles on nitrous oxide, you'll blow up. It doesn't work that exactly. way. <laughs> you burn yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So you, you need some <laughs> gasoline and the gasoline is kind of our next question, which is, what are you excited about for your future? Oh man. Um, a lot. And, and I am, I think if you like, if you looked at all the things that I do and there's a lot of things that I do and I'm a pretty driven guy, a lot of it does go back to the vision that I have for my children. Like they really do 
drive me in the deepest sense to uh it's uh, so what excites me is what I'm doing in my work, the the work that I'm doing, I just absolutely love it. Uh, I work with a lot of really cool people, athletes of all kinds, fighters, um, you know, entrepreneurs. There's an astrophysicist, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in one of my coaching groups right now, just a lot of really cool people. And I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited about getting my business to the point where I can be with my family uh, and invest in my family at the level that I most want. So when, when I told you about my son who's 13 <clears throat> and <clears throat> coming out with his book, like I want to be there with, I, I want to help him. Like I want to, I want to be his advisor. I want to be his, his mentor, uh, in, in a much more, uh, deeper way. I want to help my young daughter, Samaya, who's seven, who already knows that she wants to be a chef. She loves to cook, loves to bake. I want to help her start her little cupcake business. I want to, I want to be there and help uh, train my son and coach my son in football, uh, my younger son. And that's, those are the things that really excite me. And then of course my wife as well. It's like my wife is ready from a business standpoint to get her business popping. I basically just want to, I'm excited about helping all those I love most, which, you know, rank my wife and my children, uh, help them become who they're supposed to be and, and help fulfill and, and make their dreams come to life. That's what really honestly wakes me up every day. Uh, legitimately like that. That's what gets me up. Um, I love having kids. I love being a father. Um, I'm excited to uh, become better friends with my kids as they get older. I'm excited about being a grandfather at some point, you know, not too early, but you know, um, I'm Take excited about that. Take so time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I'm, I'm just excited about um, building a real uh, empire with my family. Um, Next year, we're going to be building our home. I'm excited about that, building our home up from scratch, really designing it exactly the way that we want it. I can't wait for that. I, I literally dream about that like every night, think about it before I go to sleep. Um, so, yeah, those are the things I'm excited about. And then just, of course, just continuing to grow and and basically getting higher and higher on my level of fearlessness, right? Like meaning separating more and more from my ego and, you know, all of the the basic sort of fears and just getting more and more confident, more and more fearless to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm like floating. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you know, you think about a guy like Jesus and I grew up religious, not so much anymore, but he's a, he, to me, he's a good example of like just ultimate fearlessness. Right. <clears throat> and so when people say, or religious people say, be more like Jesus, I know what they mean. It's like, I just want to be more like someone who's all the way fearless. So one of the dudes that I just love, I love Malcolm X. Malcolm X to me is the the just preeminent source and an example of just sheer, pure fearlessness of, of the highest type. I mean, the dude is just next level. <clears throat> and that's my goal. You know, I want to impact millions of people. I want to help people deal with reality better. I want to help people set higher goals, set higher visions for themselves and just, just fucking attack that shit. You know what I mean? And just be more aggressive in life and, and free more, you know, lions from the zoo and bring them to the jungle. You know what I mean? And, and we can, we can rule the lands together. That's, that's my vision. And that's what I'm excited about. I love it. I love it. I love it. Very cool, man. I like them. Free it from the zoo and bring them to the jungle. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun analogy. Let's see. We're going to transition to our second part of the show, which is called nuts and bolts. This is kind of the 
practical, tangible, like someone could listen to this and immediately apply it in their life or business. Um, right. You've already shared a ton that they could do that with, but we're going to get real specific and just focus on it for people listening. <clears throat> and so the first question is, we've heard a lot, you know, we, we, I think I know where you, you do, but I want to ask, uh, where do you currently focus the majority of your thoughts and time and life each day? Yes, definitely on my business. Uh, I'm spending eight to 12 hours per day on that um, very early. So I have a small team, about five people, and I'm actually uh, have three coaches in training right now. So building my coaching program, honing my systems each day. Um, I coach a lot. So I believe in the power of repetition. So I, I'm anytime I learn something new, I'm trying to teach it as fast as possible and just uh, and, and just do that. So I'm, I'm running anywhere from three to four coaching groups at a time, uh, have less one on one clients now, have about four one on one clients now and just sort of focusing on honing my systems, uh, building my team. Um, and then, of course, from a marketing standpoint, just learning how to position what I what I do in such a way that makes people say, man, I got to sign up for this shit. So and of course, that's a, that's a big challenge, you know, especially with as much uh, as noisy as it is out there, you know, on social media and the, all the emails people get. You got to find a way to make make yourself set set yourself apart. So that's what that's what I do every day. So that's my main hustle. And then, of course, secondly, is is my children and my family life, particularly just homeschooling and and, you know, invested in my children in that way. Got it, got it, got it. And with all that going on, I'm curious, what would you say is one of the keys to your success in all this? Oh, man, easily the art of blueprinting. Now, what is blueprinting? Blueprinting is a system that I created uh, for basically taking these goal, taking this vision that I have for who I want to be, boiling it down to tangible goals said i set them on a quarterly basis reverse engineering them down all the way to the week then to the day then every night before i go to sleep creating a master plan for the next day and it usually takes me anywhere from from on the low end 20 minutes i sometimes i'll spend up to an hour really uh crafting a plan for the next day depending depending on how complex it is and a lot of days i do not want to do it uh it, a lot of days it's hard i'm tired but it is absolutely it's kind of one of those things where, you know, what if you have to be somewhere and you get up and you don't feel like getting up, but, you know, there's no way in the world you're going back to sleep because the consequence is too great. That is that is how I feel at night before I plan. It's like there's no way in the world I'm not going to plan out my next day because I know what life does to me when I'm not playing. Life whips my ass. You know what I'm saying? So I make sure that I am planned up. Uh, that's a I, I couldn't do it without that. And it's a very. I've been building this tool since about nine years ago, really. And uh, it's just gotten better and better and better. And I'm excited because we're releasing it to the public uh, right now. Really, just my coaching clients and myself and my team uses it. But we're releasing it to the public here in, in September. So I'm excited about that. But that's a that's a habit I can't do without. That's awesome, man. I love it. And, and the final question here is what's one actionable tip uh, that others listening could use to kind of achieve that experience or success in their life? Uh, so I know uh, blueprinting yeah. isn't released yet, but when it is, please send us a link of where to find it so we can put it in the show notes for this episode. Um, Absolutely. So, so blueprinting obviously is going to be one of them. Uh, but, but what's a tangible tip someone listening right now could use to immediately Definitely. apply in their life? Yes. So one of the things blueprinting is not is one of those you know simple sort of daily planner type things. So it's actually pretty. It's more like advanced, if you will. But let me give you something that I know anyone can do. 
you mentioned like a farmer in Guatemala. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. This is something you can do right now. And all you need is about a dollar, you know, if you got a local Dollar Tree um, and, and it. So it's really important to think about what you want, right? Like You know this. Um, anyone who listens to podcasts knows this. You know, you have to focus on what you want. And that gets you feeling a certain way about it and gravitates you towards eventually doing the things necessary to do it. And then, of course, accomplishing. So I find that it's really messy and noisy in the world a lot. And we go to sleep sometimes at night, you know, focused on all the wrong things, just scared about this, fearful about that. And that's a really not a good time to be afraid because it's actually when your conscious mind is sort of settling down or at least should be. And then you're actually most easily influenced when you're in that sort of, I think it's the, the beta brain state, right? Or is it the alpha one? I can't remember. It's, it's one of the brain states that's more induced when you're tired as you go to sleep and also when you wake up in the morning. And so what I do is I have this binder that I keep next to my bed on my nightstand. And in it, I just have a bunch of things. And I'll give you some ideas, but you can get creative. Basically, images of what you want. So just picture, and so you think vision board, it's like a, a, a binder, so you can carry this with you, but I leave it by my bedside. Pictures, and I put little sheet protectors in there, pictures of all the shit that I want, new cars, you know, home, pictures of even just little things of how I want to, you know, uh, uh, landscape my lawn and things like that. You know, like I'm really fascinated with people who have like really, really nice lawns. So uh, anything, even a new pair of shoes. Um, and then, you know, you can go so far as to put like uh, your vision in there, written out, right? The perfect day exercise, which I learned from you, which is freaking amazing. So I learned in your book and, uh, you know, reading uh, some sort of version of your perfect day. But basically, it's like your your bedtime meditation book, if you will. I haven't come up with a cool, uh, a better name for it uh, yet, but I'll let you know when I do. But it's really, really simple to do. And I can't tell you how much it helps. It's like I, lo I look at it right before I go to sleep and then right when I wake up. And it's crazy how it will actually start to change the way that you feel right when you wake up. Because, again, you're linking positive things to waking up as opposed to just hearing the alarm clock blast off and then, you know, going to brush your teeth and all of that. Now, right when you wake up, you're looking at the things you most want. And I would challenge everyone listening to do that. It's really easy. And just try it out. You know, maybe it, maybe you don't like it. Maybe you don't use it. But I think it's something very practical that I've started uh, just recently. And I really love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, sir, for taking time to share some stories, some adventures, some life, some love, some understanding and some insight with us. We very much appreciate it. Absolutely, man. No doubt. It was great being on. Thanks for uh, the invite. I appreciate it. Of course. And for everyone who's tuning in, uh, if you like this episode, make sure to share it with somebody you care about. Uh, we believe that sharing is caring. We love caring people around here. So make sure to share. And if, if you enjoyed this episode, if you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button and tune in for more episodes like this. Uh, until we see each other again, I hope you all have an amazing day and I look forward to seeing you all next episode. Thank you.